What a wonderful presence of the Lord. I hope you enjoyed this wonderful weather and weekend. We welcome you to Oak Grove if you're new. I met a couple of new families already this morning. Glad to have you. Let's welcome all of our new people that are here visiting and saying hi. And so grateful that you chose to be with us and worship with us today. And um, and we we are grateful that Hopefully the the weather is going to cool down with a real cold snap and be done with the hot cold, Uh, but we don't know. The longer I lead, the more I realize, the less I know. And uh, this series we started called God Knows. It's lesson four today. God Knows, lesson four. And the reason I started it, I told you, is because because, uh, in the middle of the pandemic, Nobody knew anything. Uh, they definitely didn't know anything in the beginning. Uh, they didn't know anything in the middle. And they don't know anything at the end. One thing I discovered throughout the whole thing, and still, to this day, nobody knows. And uh, I wish we could be confident about our secure state of the nation. But I don't think anybody knows about that either. I wish I can tell you about the time of the Lord, it's really coming next week. It sure feels like it. I mean, I feel like the Lord's coming is very soon. feels like it, but I don't know that either. The Son of Man, the Bible says, doesn't even know. Jesus doesn't even know when the return of the Lord is. That's something right there. But guess who does? The Father knows. Hey, if you don't get nothing else out of this lesson today, know this. God knows. Would you shout it with me? One more time, God knows. And I hope it's brought uh, comfort to you. I hope it's encouraged you. It certainly has done something for me. Um, You know, you go to the doctor, you have a chest uh, x-ray, you don't know. You could come back and say it's a little of nothing, uh, pneumonia. Or you can come back and say, oh, my. Uh, In the case of one of our families, it's lung cancer. Lung cancer. You just don't just don't know. So how do you know when you don't know, you better hold on to the one who does? That's the facts. And so today we're going to deal with lesson number four. God knows number four. And it's right out of Psalm 48. I kind of gave you the heads up so you can look at it. Uh, look at the first 14 verses. I'm stalling a bit to get the rest of the crew in here. They got to get a little drink of water, get their Bible, go to the bathroom. I'm not sure how, how long it takes, but we're just going to wait on them. When they come in, we're going to stare at them as they walk all the way down to the front. I don't want anybody to miss nothing. In fact, the kind of personality I have, I don't like missing anything. I don't like to miss anything. I shared with the pastors this past week at the minister's meeting that in the in the end of this pandemic, it's really heavy. Uh, 1,400 pastors a month are quitting. 1,400 a month are quitting the ministry. So many expectations, especially our rural pastors, the smaller church pastors. There's so many things to do, so many demands on the body uh, and the church and the ministry and the minister that they can't seemingly handle all of them. So uh, used to be able to preach a sermon. People would be happy enough to take their own notes. Now you've got to put a PowerPoint together. It's almost like pacifier. You know, I want to burn that thing. I just want to melt it. But 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 you know you know it's hard to wean. But 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 I learned how to take notes, and uh, and so I know that this is beneficial. You can go home and look at it again 
It's online. You can listen to it again, absorb it a bit more, and learn a lot more. Or you can do like Max does, take pictures. This pastor moves pretty quickly and still can't finish in time. Seems to be a burden. But if you'll shout amen, I'll preach fast. Hey, I knew I'd get at least one amen today. I'm going to go ahead and get started. I can't wait any longer. Psalm 48, 1 through 14. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Great is the Lord. It used to be an old song. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, city of the great king. You remember that song? Right out of Psalm, right here, right out of here. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, his holy mountain. Fair and beautiful in elevation. The joy of all the earth is Mount Zion, the city of David in the far north. The city of the great king. And God, he's talking God, uh, David is talking to God. He said, God, in her palaces in Jerusalem, he's talking about, has made himself known as a stronghold, a refuge. Uh, for lo, the kings assembled themselves, and they came and passed by together. They saw it. Then they were amazed. They were stricken with terror. They fled in alarm. Panic. <laughs> it seems like panic seized them there, and pain as that of a woman in childbirth. So the enemy came to Jerusalem, the walled city, and the kings fled in panic, mazed at the fortified city. With the east wind, you shattered the ships of Tarshish. The, the ships of Tarshish were but the harbor where they had the big ships, not, not little bitty old boats, big ships. And, and, the, and the Lord uh, took care of the enemies of Jerusalem like he would shatter the big ships of Tarshish. And as we've heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord our our host of hosts in the city of our God. God will establish her forever. We've thought of your loving kindness, O oh God, in the midst of your temple. Now he's going to the temple. How beautiful is that? Man, you look up the mountain into Jerusalem and you look at the temple of God. It's just so white and crisp and sparkling. Beautiful is the temple of God, is the mountain of God in Jerusalem. Verse 10, as is your name. How many thinks the name of God is beautiful? Your name, oh God. So is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Your, your right hand is full of righteousness. Rightness. I mean, oh, God's always going to do the right thing. Always. If you don't know, hear the preacher. Hear the psalmist. Our God is always going to do the right thing. And just thing for everybody. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your righteous judgments. Walk about Zion. Go ahead. Take a walk around her. Count the towers. Look at all the fortified walls. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you might tell the next generation about her glory. For this is God, our God, forever and ever. And he will be our guide even unto death. 
Would you help me give our God some praise? Come on now, that's the word of the Lord for the day. That's the word of the Lord for today. Our God, our God. The psalmist is trying to explain to us in a world where you can't have any answers, where nobody can give you a straight answer. I mean, you know, the day of common sense is gone. And uh, and I think Psalm 48 can teach us a lot about the Lord. This God is our God and uh, forever and ever, and he will be our guide even to the death or even to the end, even to the end. Verse 14 is the conclusion of the psalm, but there's a whole lot of information about the Lord that we need to talk about today. Are you ready to dig in? And although the setting is, is the city of Jerusalem, it is God who gives prominence to the city. It's, it's God's city. Are you with that? Jerusalem is God's city. It belongs to God. And anything that belongs to God is holy. And anything that belongs to God is going to be well taken care of. It's going to be well taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. If it belongs to God, Satan can't touch it. That's serious. I want you to catch the, the intro here. This church belongs to God. How many know the gates of hell cannot prevail against it? It's his church. It's his people. It's his city. Whatever belongs to God is God's, and Satan has no stronghold against it. That's just the way it is. So we want to talk about it. Great is the Lord. He opens up the words. It puts the whole entire psalm in perspective. Our great God knows all about it. He knows all about you. He knows your address, your phone number. He knows you're gonna, who you're going to marry before you even were born. We used to pray. We'd pray. I'd lay hands on Melissa's belly when Tori was in there. Pray, God, who is she going to marry? I pray for her, that baby before she was even born. And the Lord knew. How many believe the Lord knew that she would marry Caleb McBain? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And and uh, and I'll never forget the day they were like in the nursery dating. Caleb and Tori were dating in the nursery. Caleb met me. He was, met me in the hallway. He said, uh, Pastor, I wanted to see if I can date your, Tori, your daughter. I'd like to date her. I think they were 15, 16. Uh, 16. And I said, Caleb, y'all are friends. Don't mess up a good thing. Anyway, the Lord's will be done. Amen? God knows. You pray. You trust. He knows. And we put our people, uh, our families in his hands. Right? Same thing happened with uh, Chrissy. And so it's against this backdrop that the introductory statement is known. This God is our God. So if you want to know, the first thought is, great is our God and greatly to be praised. He's great. I said he's great. He's God and there is none like him. Hey, I don't care how many pandemics come and go. God will still be God. I don't care how many presidents, good, bad, or ugly. How many know God's still on the throne and he's still great? I don't care how the generations or the cultures shift and go down in their culture, in their, in their, uh, in their attitudes or, or indifference or apathy. I don't care how sick the church might get. I mean, oh, God's not sick. And he's not, and he's not going to fail. I said, our God will not fail. He's great and greatly to be praised. He's greatly to be praised. What is godly? mean any i mean if you're going to claim that god is your god then you better know 
that what godly means. God, uh, a person that follows God is a person who lives like God. So if you're going to know God, you better know what God is like. You better know the name of God. You better know the characteristics of God. You better know the nature of God. You better know how great God is. If you're going to put your trust in God, you better know how trustworthy he is. If you're going to depend on God, how many know you can find him to be faithful? How many found our God to be faithful? Oh, yes, he is. I wish I had a little bit more help preaching, but I'm going to preach it anyway. So a godly person is one is like God. We become godlike when we truly know God and are changed by God. Uh, if, if you're not like God and you, you don't know God and trust him with your life. We learn of, of God from Psalm 48. Our God is great, great and great to be praised. He is praiseworthy. He is holy. He is, he is knowable. How about that? Psalmist says, I, I mean, I can't even be that, 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 that you have made me and that you're even mindful of me. Can't even believe you're thinking about me, God. And last week we talked about he numbers the hair on our heads. He sees the, the sparrow fall. He cares about the lilies of the field. He don't want you to be anxious or nervous or fearful. He is your God. He is my God. I think the psalmist made it very, very personable. Verse 3, he is knowable, greatly to be praised. He's powerful. He is loving. He is kind. He's to be worshipped. He's to be praised. He is righteous. He is judge of all the earth. He is just. He's eternal. He's yesterday, today, and this, and tomorrow. How many know you'll still be the same? He, he's unchanging. He's unchanging. Unwavering. Always faithful. Never wishy-washy. Never unstable. His answer yesterday is the same answer today. It'll be the same answer tomorrow. And in a world that we live in that's so fickle, you can't get the same answer twice. Some people had six masks on. One, two, should I wear five masks, six masks, two masks, one mask, any mask, no mask. So, so this world's so fickle. You can't get any straight answers. Well, the other day somebody wanted to tell me two plus two was not four. I thought, well, it, did, it was when I was in school, but maybe things changed. What a great and mighty God. It was a philosophical, theological idea. That is two plus two really four? No, 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 wait. Is one plus one really two? Or is it 1.9999999999999? Is it? See, because the numerical sense uh, the system is, is infinite, you don't really know. And how do you really know God? Since he's beyond your knowing. It takes faith to say one plus one is two, and it takes faith to say that God is going to make everything work out all right. Because the evidence, sometimes, Pastor Josiah, the evidence doesn't look like everything's going to work out, Pastor Ron. And you're telling me God's going to take care of it, and everybody else is telling me it's not. But how can I tell you? You can put your confidence in our God. Because he's great, and he's mighty, and he's awesome. And he's never going to do you any harm or anything. Because he's a great God and greatly to be praised. Who wouldn't desire to know him? 
the greatest of all the saints in the past, men and women of God, they were propelled and compelled to draw near to this God. When they didn't know, they went anyway without knowing. When they went the wrong way, they ended up in the right way because they just simply kept following God. Moses prayed that I might know you. Show me your glory. David's life was one long pant after spiritual desire. Lord, as the deer pants after the water brook, so my soul longs for you, O God. He goes in the sanctuary in the temple and he says, I just gaze at the beauty of the Lord in the house of God. Moses go to the tent of meeting just to be where God was. Can't explain him. I don't know I could figure him out, but I know he knows me and he loves me and I love him. Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. My, th- my soul thirsts for the living God. For the living God, Psalm 42. David said, my soul thirsts for God. For the living God. How many know our God's not dead? Come on now, he's not on vacation like the prophets of Baal. And we put all of our confidence in the prophets of Baal, in mammon, in man. Can I tell you what man's going to get you and me? Nothing. Nothing. The brightest and the smartest and the richest and the tallest. They're going to get you nothing. But how many know God will get you everything? I just want you to know if you miss, <laughs> if you meet, if you meet Ron Moran and forget him, you've lost nothing. If, if you meet Oak Grove and you forget them, you've lost something. But if you meet Jesus and forget him, you've lost everything. He's everything I am. He's everything I've got. How many love the Lord this morning? Oh, my Lord, he's so good. Paul hungered and thirsted for a better knowledge of God. Philippians chapter 3, that I might know him. Those who make the claim that this is their God have the responsibility to prove their claim by demonstrating that area of life, of the characteristics of one they claim to know. If you're going to say you're a Christian, you need to be claiming and living like you're a Christian. There's everybody says they're a Christian, but their life doesn't back up what their mouth is saying. So we have a whole culture today. Everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. But it seemed like they don't know what a Christian is, evidently, or they redefine what a Christian is. I mean, no, a Christian is one who is like Jesus Christ. That'd be closer to coming to reality. So his likeness, the church of Jesus Christ, Help us. The lack of an in-depth knowledge of God and conformity to his likeness has brought the church of Jesus Christ to the present low level of spiritual poverty we haven't seen in years. Shallow, shallow, shallow. Everybody's in church, but it's hard to find somebody in Christ. That's the truth. So learn how to magnify God. Come on, let's shout, great is our God. One more time. We got to learn how to minimize our problems and magnify our God. Say, Pastor, I just don't know. I hear this all the time. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to make it. You don't know my problems. You don't know my, you don't know my situation. He does. I mean, if he does and he's got your back, you're going to make it. So give him praise. Amen. Praise him. Praise him for his wonderful love. I mean, if nothing else, he loves you. He's going to love you all the way to the end. He's going to love me to the end. He's provided for you. He's Jehovah Jireh. Why are you so anxious and afraid? He is going to take care of you. 
You see that? Boy, you start having faith and believing that, it changes everything. I found myself this week trying to complain about this and that, and, and I think, and I just couldn't help but think about Florida. Just all of a sudden, just that quick, boom, puts it all in perspective. I walked into a house that was still intact. Yeah. You want to get perspective, walk to the hospital with Pastor Ron. Go down the room to room. Praise him for his wonderful love. Praise him for his protection, for his provision, for his forgiveness, for his future plans he has for you. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth. He's beautiful. I said he's beautiful for every situation. I don't care if I don't get off of point number one. Our God is God. And he's greatly to be praised. If you came to church and heard nothing else, you can go home and sink your teeth into that. He's beautiful for every situation. I don't know about you, but I've found myself in a situation or two in the last 40 years. How about you? And the Lord has brought me through. How many say today, Pastor Ron, the Lord has brought me through? How many believe he's going to continue to bring you through? So that thing that can ever engage the attention of us is the name, the nature, the person, the work, the doing, the existence of our great God. He is our Father. Indeed, what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. I I need to go on to the next part of this, but, but, but if you've never been in a desert place, you can't appreciate it. If you've never been in a tight place, a hard spot, if God's never brought you through, then you can't appreciate. And we are blessed. We're so blessed. I said we're so blessed. We're in that desired place. It's not just Jerusalem that's well protected and blessed by God. So are you and I. So secondly, not only is he our God, he's our guard. The second thought today is that since he is your God, and since Jerusalem is his city, it's a well-fortified city. I mean, I mean, you thought Jericho was gone. I mean, no, God takes care of his. So the enemy comes in and they find uh, a fortress. And so verse 3 says, God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. Jerusalem is God's refuge. It's a city of refuge. It's a place for his people to run and find shelter, peace. You can be at peace when you're in Jerusalem because there's God's city. And nobody, to this day, nobody's going to mess with Jerusalem. You let Iran and Turkey and Iraq, let Russia, let China, let them all try. How many know God's going to have a last say for Jerusalem? You pray for peace in Jerusalem, nobody. 1948 should prove to you and to me that nobody can't mess with the little old strip of land in the Middle East. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Oh, how if you only knew, Jesus said, I weep over you. If you would only know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like all for you. I know you've been conquered so many times, but I built you up so many times. So the psalm is about God's city, Jerusalem. It's, it's, um, it's Mount Zion, the mountain of the Lord. 
When you look at it, you see the mountain of the Lord. It's unbelievable. You can't miss it. Mountains for, for religious people, uh, especially um, even in pagan cultures like uh, Buddhism, Hinduism, they want to build their temple on the highest mountain. They want the highest authority. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Nobody higher. And, and Satan, Satan wanted to usurp authority over God. How many know you're never going to be bigger than God, my friend? Never. Pride and arrogance, God will strip down immediately. God will share everything he has with you. I'm telling you today, he will take care of you, but he will not share his glory with you. He's God and there is no other. Nobody sets themselves up above God. Jerusalem, this mountain, this temple, it's all God's. And he's saying, he's shown himself to be her fortress. The psalm, he's saying, he said, I, it's, it's my city, the city of the great king, the city of the Lord of hosts, the city of our God, Jerusalem. Verse 8, he's seen as, as very dear to the heart of God. It was a place of refuge, a fortress. It was, it was a walled city, refuge, towers, bulwarks used to denote a place of safety and security. And when hostile armies plotted to attack, the people took refuge in the city because God's not going to let anybody mess with his city. I've been there. I had the privilege this church sent Melissa and I to Jerusalem. Thank you. Forever grateful. And we'll always be grateful for the time you sent us to Jerusalem. Life transforming. I saw the walls. I saw how thick they were. Here we are 2,000 years later. They're still standing. Amazing. Amazing. It's still God's city. I said it's still God's city. And and, and we've seen it uh, on television maybe. The psalmist recognized that the ultimate refuge is not a walled city. The ultimate refuge is God himself. If you think his city is awesome. I said if you think Jerusalem is awesome. God is awesome. God is awesome. Mm. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. He was recognized as the ultimate refuge. The point of the psalm is this. What God is perceived in being in relation to a city, he is to all of us. Every country, every nation, every kindred, every tribe, every tongue. He is your portion. He is your prize. He is your refuge. He is your strong tower. He is your cleft in the rock. He is your rock. Pastor, I'm going to pieces. This world's breaking me to pieces. Don't, don't, don't go to pieces. Don't go to pieces. Go to Jesus. Just stand on the rock. Amen? Look at the rock. He's higher than I. Amen? Put your confidence in the Lord. That's the point. This God is not only our God, he's our guard. So how does he guard us? Well, he guards us internally. Uh, well, uh, well, you have to find it, sister, because it went bye-bye. He guards us internally, internally. You know what the, the scripture says? It says that uh, don't be anxious about anything, Philippians 4, 6 or 7. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for what? You mean I can't be anxious about my finances? What about my house? What about my kids? What about my health? What about my church? What about the state of the affairs of our nation? What about the church, the state of affairs of the church? What can I be anxious about? No thing. Nothing. 
Well, Pastor, can't I have one pity party? Hmm, only if you invite me. But here's what you can do. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard, guard, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so within the citadel of our soul is God's peace. In your soul, God's guarding your spirit, your mind, your peace. You can have peace in God. You can have peace if you have peace with God. If you have the God of peace, you can have the peace of God. But you have to have the God of peace in your presence, right? You can't have the peace of God if God's not with you. So he's guarding our hearts and minds. It's, remember in our series on the Holy Spirit, your mind starts getting anxious and starts taking over your spirit, man. And now your mouth starts talking about what your mind is thinking about instead of settling it in your prayer closet on your knees, in your soul. I mean, no, somebody got to learn how to worship God from your soul. Sometimes you can't even find and articulate words to describe how awesome he is. You can just groan in utterings and, and pray in a spirit. Is anybody thankful for the Holy Spirit baptism? So Philippians 4, 9, you say, well, it's God's peace. No, it's God himself. Look what he says. And the God of peace, we only have the peace of God when the God of peace is present. He also guards us not internally only, but externally. Externally. He's worried about what's going on in my inner man. It's my inner man that usually messes up my outer man. It's my inner man. I need peace in my spirit. Otherwise, I'm going to break down. So I need breakthrough before I break down. Amen? So Jude 24, let him who is able to guard you from stumbling. There it is. There's so many obstacles that get in our way. Isn't there? In our culture today? Societal obstacles, my goodness, all kinds of things. So, so many spiritual obstacles, uh, sin. If we insist on walking in our own willful way, it causes us to stumble. If you think you know it all, listen to me today. You don't know nothing. I'm not trying to, to diss you. I'm trying to, to help you. Just give up and let Jesus take over. You don't have to figure it out. Just surrender to him. The Bible says that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. So why should both of us stay up all night? Go on to sleep. How many believe he's got this? Pastor, do you know the crisis in America? Yeah, but I know God. Do you know the interest rate that's coming? No, I don't. I don't even want to know the interest rate that's coming. But don't you know you're about to build a million-dollar building? But I still know God. Come on, Oak Grove. Can he take us through? I'm wondering, can he take us through? Are we going to make it? I mean, David and Amy thought they should be in P&G by now. Dave, what do we really know? Not trying to insult David, Julie. I'm trying to say he has no clue when he's getting to PG. All he does is surrender. He's packed up. How long have you been packed up now? <laughs> Months. Yeah. And funds raised, everything. I did everything they told me to do. And and Joni and Gary, they're gonna be here Sunday. They have no idea when they get into Fiji. 
They did everything they know to do. Can I just give you an encouragement? Do all you know to do. And then leave the rest to God. You have a responsibility. Do all that you know to do. Do what's in your control. Do what you can. And then leave the rest to God. How many know that will help you sleep at night? That's some good advice right there, Pastor. Uh, You're very welcome. It's for free. Here's the deal. He guards us externally. He knows when you're going to hit your foot in the night hour. Anybody ever stub your toe in the night hour? Ooh, that's when you want to speak in tongues. Because any other word is not going to be appropriate. He guards your path. when You're walking in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm not living for me. Come on, y'all. I'm not living for me. I'm living for him. Melissa asked me when we first got married, baby, how can I please you? You know, so listen, baby, if you please me, you'll please God. And if you'll please God, you'll please me. The fact of the matter is we'll both please God. We'll please each other. Are you getting that? God's number one and there is nobody else. If you start trying to make and cater and coddle and cuddle and help make everybody else around you happy, I mean, you're going to lead a miserable life. Some people take till noon to put a smile on their face. Just always mad. Always anxious. You can never have a good day. If you go 365 this day, this year, days, and you don't have one good day, that's your fault, man. You gotta have one in there somewhere. Pessimistic. Anxious. Angry. Mad. I want my way. It's immaturity. It's like the two kids. One was optimistic and one was pessimistic. For Christmas, the rich, rich kid had all he wanted. He got all kind of gifts. Every time he'd open up a gift, oh, I don't want that. What else you got? Open up another one. Ah, open up another one. Ah, I don't want it. And then the other kid, he was he was <laughs> optimist, and uh, he had a big old pile of hay. And he's piling through that pile of hay. And his mom and daddy said, what are you doing? He said, I've got to be a pony in this pile of hay somewhere. It's really about inward and outward guarding yourself. Um, you're under his care. I said, if you stay in him, how many know he'll take care of you? It's kind of like this place, this refuge, this place in God, that if you'll stay there in Christ, I'm in Christ. His, his banner over me is love. I'm in him. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. If I'm in him and he is in me, all my needs are going to be taken. This is not hyperfaith. This is reality. All of my needs. I didn't say once. Did you hear that? If I'm under his care, if if Paul said like this, in him we live and move and navigate and lead and have our being in him. Outside of him, I wouldn't want to try that. If you feel like you're outside of the boundary of God, my friend, you need to come in today. Come on, church. This is the place for you to get back in under his protection, under his guidance, under his guard. And finally, eternally, he leads eternally. Finally, on the second point, don't get excited. Second Timothy 1.12, I know whom I believe and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Here's the question. What have you entrusted to the Lord? Maybe the reason you're so anxious about everything is maybe you didn't entrust it to the Lord. 
Melissa and I gave our babies to the Lord. I mean, oh, if you give it to him, he ought to be able to help you trust it. Trust him to take care of them. Right? Give it to him. The church, 21 years ago, I took the church. We took the church as pastor. The second Sunday, we resigned the church. We gave it right back to him. Here's what I knew. Lord, only you can fill up a 1,200-seat auditorium. Or maybe that's not your interest. Maybe you just want to build a congregation and not a crowd. There's a whole lot of crowds. I said you can find a lot of places out there packed to the gill with sinners. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, just because you leave the bar room and go into the church house don't make you safe. And so we are selling a lot of people a bill of goods. But we're talking about people with transformation, lives that are transformed. That's what we're trying to do. But we gave it up because we couldn't do it. Unless the Lord, listen, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You're just wasting your time. You think you got something that God doesn't already have. So I remember going from conference to conference as a young pastor, looking for somebody to feed me, help me, lead me, guide me. And I came back to my church in Louisiana. I thought, Lord, this one says go that way, and this one's go that way. This is C3 and 5D and uh, 4G, and I don't know what in the world. And he said, why don't you go to X2? X2 will help you. Build the church my way. Don't worry about everybody else. Everybody's got an opinion. You just do your best. Do your best and leave it to God. Amen? Get under his care. He will eternally take care of you. What have you entrusted to him? Have you entrusted your family? How about your kids, your income, your life? I gave it all away. How many is ready right now? Let's just once again give it all over to the Lord. Come on, lift your hand to the Lord. Say, it's all yours. Father, it's all yours. My family members yours. My children are yours. My spouse is yours. My job is yours. My ministry is yours. I have nothing. You have everything. Guys, do y'all think that God's going to guard a city and not guard you? You think he's going to guard Jerusalem and not you? Hmm. Of course not. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very help, present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountain be carried into the midst of the sea. And the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Selah. Pause and think about that. The God of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is with us. Come on. Emmanuel is with us. God is with us. Check out Psalm 125 too. As the mountains surround Jerusalem. It's like verse 7. So the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. How long? Forever. How long is forever? Eternally. Now, we're not unconditional eternal security people. I told you that last week. But our security is perpetual. Tells us God is our God and God is our guard. And finally, God is our guide. God is our guide. He's our guide. I asked you to read Psalm 23, and I don't want to keep you too long. We got about 15 minutes. Can you let me just go through Psalm 23? 
Do you mind if I go through Psalm 23? Because God cannot or does not guard us is really not a God at all. A God that doesn't care about you and protect you. Can I just tell you, parents that do not care, guard, and guide their children are not parents. Did you know you can be a male and not a man? Did you know you can birth a baby and not be a mother? I don't get anybody helping me here. Just because you have the ability to create a baby doesn't mean you're going to be the real person that cares for them. You can call yourself that, but if you don't really care, we have a couple here. Their babies in the NICU at Coxop. We're going to pray for y'all in the end here. How many believe God's going to touch their baby? They just saw us because we do Maryland. We do the feeding, and they saw us that we were on that list, and they came to us. Thank you for coming, being with us. Hope you're encouraged by this message. God cares for you and your baby. We're going to see a miracle. And then parents just sticking by that baby. They're not even going home all the way in Cassville. They're not leaving the side of that baby. Are y'all seeing that? That's real parents. And a real God doesn't leave you to just hopefully you make it. Deism or deist who say that God spoke and created everything and then he left us just to ourselves. Hopefully we make it. I hope you make it. No, God cares about you. And he's going to guide you all the way through. The flip side of that is a person that has God guiding them but refuses or resists or restrict leadership or guidance is a fool. You're crazy if you don't want God to lead you. God's leading me better than I can lead myself. Why? Because he knows more than I know. You know, it didn't take God a lot to know more than I know. He knows. I said God knows. I'm not a self-appointed, self-righteous guide. And Jesus got... Very aggravated with the spiritual, religious, Pharisaic attitude. Righteous guides. Blind, leading the blind. They all ended up in the ditch. They thought their way was the best. They didn't want to follow God's way. Are y'all seeing that? Can I tell you? You go ahead and self-appoint yourself to be the leader. You will self-destruct. But if you will submit to God, how many know God will lead you? He will lead you. Israel was a, 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 a pilgrim nation. They, they, they were always lost in the, in the wilderness. They were lost, right? They needed guidance for the same reason we need the Lord. Amen? They journeyed from Egypt to Canaan to the promised land. And Peter addresses us saying the same thing. He is our guide. He will be our guide even to death. Look what Peter said. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, to abstain from the sensual urges, those dishonorable desires that wage war against the soul. How will he guide us? Well, first of all, he chooses our way. He guides us like a shepherd guides a sheep. You know what? Uh, 21 years ago, you didn't get a hireling. You didn't get a hireling. You didn't hire a pastor to come and preach. You got a God-called man who came to shepherd you, lead you, protect you, guide you, has your best interest at heart. I would take that any day over somebody coming to preach in your pulpit. We care about your soul. We pray for your soul. We watch over your soul. We want to give you what's best for you, even when you think you know what's best for you. 
but he leads with love and compassion. He is my shepherd, and he leads me. How many glad he's the great shepherd of the sheep? This is how he leads. First of all, he chooses the way I go, but I must be willing to follow. And only he knows the way. Remember when Jesus was preaching to the disciples and they began to leave? Because sometimes when you preach it straight, you preach truth, and they don't like it, they begin to filter out and leave like a bunch of little babies. And Jesus said, well, hey, boys, y'all want to go too? And Peter looked at him and said, where are we going to go? We have no place to go. Only you have the words of eternal life. I mean, only God knows. You're going to find nobody smarter, greater, better, bigger. There's nobody bigger than Jesus. Could you lift your hand? Just tell him right now, Father, there's nobody bigger than you. You choose my way. You lead me beside still waters. You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. It's not what I wish to be, nor where I wish to go, but what I am. You choose. The Lord shall choose for me. It's better for me to follow his lead than for me to end up lost. So how does he lead? He leads the green pastures, steel waters, right paths to take. What do I know? And that's the question I've been asking through this whole series. Hey, Ron Moran, what do you know? What do you know? You ain't been saved in 40 years. And just when you think you know, the rules are all changing. Everything's changing so fast. And by the time you catch this, it's gone. It's changed. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. I mean, no, he is a never-changing God. He's the same. I can sink my teeth into what I can count on. Uh, Better to follow his lead than to end up lost. Also, he cares for me along the way. He makes me lie down. He makes me. He makes me. Two people in my life make me do things. Jesus and Melissa. She makes me, honey, you need a rest. Get over here and take it. I'm not sleepy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're either going to go out or I'm going to knock you out. He makes me lie down. He makes me. He restores my soul. My cup runs over. He makes me. He He didn't make me against my will. Here's the deal. I need to stop restraining and resisting him. I need to start going with him. He wants me to rest. He wants me to have peace. He don't want me to be anxious. He wants to choose these places for me. He cares. How many believe he cares? He leads me besides the still waters. Sheep sheep are, are, are very, very oh temperamental. They're very, very anxious, easily anxious. They cannot drink from running water. Water has to be still or they're not going to drink from it. There's serpents in the tall grasses. There's grasses and weeds and poison things. They'll eat it. They'll go off the cliff. They're sheep. They're just sheep. Turn to your neighbor and say, hello, sheep. I'm not here to insult you. I'm here to encourage you that your shepherd knows what you don't. That's why it's best to be led by him. Are you going to be eating poison, falling in holes? Shepherd gets you out the hole, you hop right back, back in the hole. I've seen it. If the shepherd don't shear you, your wool's going to get so heavy, you're going to fall over, the gases in your stomach are going to explode, and you're going to die. 
I don't know about you, but I'd rather die being led by Jesus than live being led by me. I'll be lost as a goose. And so he cares for me. He also accompanied me on the way. Isn't that wonderful? Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. King James, thou art with me. A rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I'm going to make it. You know why? He's with me. This is, this is a great co-mission. I tell the ministers all the time, Jimmy. I tell the ministers, we're not alone in the ministry. I don't do ministry alone. I never teach alone. I never preach alone. The Holy Spirit's preaching with me this morning. I mean, no, he's doing what he wants to do. He's using just a vessel everywhere I go. If I go to the highest of heaven, he's there. If I go to the lowest parts of the earth, he's there. If I get on the wings of the morning and go from the east to the west, he's already there. It's last week, but you remember that. I hope you do. So he's with us, and he also clears the way. Verse 5, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Clears the way. You talk about a God and a guide and a guard. He clears the way. My enemies can't even mess with me. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. He's got my back. I said, we got the armor of God on, but the back is a little bit vulnerable. But how many know the Lord's got your back? He's your rear guard. You don't have to worry about it. He's got, he's got, like mama, he's got eyes on the back of his head. I still don't know how my mama saw some of the things I did. She was nowhere in sight. She sees it all. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. So that's so that the flies and all that stuff don't get infected in my nasal cavities, so that I can be healthy, so that I can function, so that I too can tend to the sheep. See what you forget sometimes is that pastors are shepherds, but they're also sheep. I always say every shepherd needs a shepherd. So who 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 counsels the counselor? Who feeds the feeder? Who heals the healer? Who helps the helper? Are y'all hearing me? Who pastors the pastor? And all of us need to be led. And the greatest one is Jesus. How many know he's the greatest mentor you're ever going to get? And he concludes the journey with us. Most importantly, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many looking forward to heaven? How many things you're going to make it? Yeah, a couple of you. Uh, well, we're going through this world. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. This world is not my home. So what can the world do to me? You know, when we really get grieved is when we feel like we lost something. And I know pain. I know loss. We've all had it. When we lose something, we're so concentrated on what we've lost that we can't even figure out what we still have left. We can't even appreciate what we have left. And you really don't know what you lose until you actually lose it. You don't know the value of what you've got. Can I tell you what you have today? If they'll come back to the platform and help me dismiss and go home, you have a great God who knows all about you. I want our prayer partners to come, and I want you to stand with us this morning. I'm done preaching. You say this is my God forever and ever, and he will guide me even to you.